Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. It's Friday night. How y'all doing? Welcome back to the Master of None. And what's so crazy is I probably have roughly a week left of podcasting, which seems insane. You know, from then on, continuously podcasts, probably doing something a little bit different, but it's kind of just hitting that, you know, this will probably be one of my last Fridays podcasting. So I just want to lay it back a little bit, you know, talk with y'all, just kind of, you know, crack open a little brewskis and get into it. So um, something I really want to talk about, like whenever we think about, like I'm going to get pretty deep on this one, metaphysical, you know, not talking about UFOs. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing about those because they're all over the media and I've been talking about them quite a bit, but I'm going to, I'm going to put my head, my hat on the ability to have very um, deep theoretical conversations, ones of which I really don't feel like is my strong suit, but it's interesting to me. It's like so often whenever you get into a podcast concept ideal daily, you really have to chase the concepts you find passionate about or just essential uh, curiosity. You know, what's so interesting is we, whatever we think about where we are um, and the momentum of everything, we use this kind of word like out of whack. When things are out of whack, when things aren't really where they need to be and when things are succinct or things are going well we use this word called finely tuned this is a finely tuned engine um you know finely tuned in itself is something that goes through a lot of different scenarios if we think for example if you think where the earth is in reference to the sun and we look at how big the sun is and we look at the ability of gravity etc you know what a lot of scientists would say is earth in itself is in the is in the living zone in the green zone for life you know even 50 to 30 miles forward 50 to 30 miles back as it relates to where it would be within the universe could potentially offset us to live live life you know and it's it seems like it's a finely tuned environment well what if I told you the finely tuned concept is in fact an argument that people really talk about and discuss? And within this episode, I have clips about people talking about finely tuned, but really where it came across was from a Joe Rogan episode where he had a individual who studies um, religion. He's, he's a Christian. He believes in Christian through like a science approach, not necessarily like a spiritual And he's having a conversation with Joe Rogan about the finely tuned theory. And I'm going to go ahead and play this short bit of what he was saying. When we find fine tuning, it always results from a mind. And since the multiverse hasn't provided a better explanation for that, I think the conclusion of design or uh, an ultimate fine tuner stands. Say that last sentence again. Uh, Okay. Just the last sentence about the, the... Given that fine tuning in our experience... Yes. ...is always the product of intelligence right think of any any system we would describe as finely tuned right then and given that the multiverse has not provided an explanation for the ultimate fine-tuning yet the best explanation remains intelligent design 
All right, I heard that, and I was like, what does that really mean? Because really, you know, just giving, like, full transparency, whenever I do one of these podcasts, I'm looking for the story of interest, and this one was really interesting because whenever we break down what the argument is, multi multiverse, meaning there's multiple, multiple universes, and each one of them create different scenarios that potentially get it right in order to have life, Whenever we look at fine-tuning, we look at how everything within the universe is really dialed in to a certain amount of numbers, the ability to have gravity at a certain percentage, um, and how this creates life. You know, if everything was a little bit out of whack, if numbers were certainly thrown in a different direction, we wouldn't have this same scenario. From galaxies and stars, down to atoms and subatomic particles, the very structure of our universe is determined by these numbers. These are the fundamental constants and quantities of the universe. Scientists have come to the shocking realization that each of these numbers has been carefully dialed to an astonishingly precise value, a value that falls within an exceedingly narrow, life-permitting range. If any one of these numbers were altered by even a hair's breadth, no physical, interactive life of any kind could exist anywhere. There'd be no stars, no life, no planets, no chemistry. Consider gravity, for example. The force of gravity is determined by the gravitational constant. If this constant varied by just one in 10 to the 60th parts, I'm sure a lot of you are always questioning the concept of gravity, but, you know, that's really indicating what this fine-tuned theory is. And it's a really interesting theory, one I wasn't really familiar with. And obviously, you know, we think of design or people think of design as, you know, um, you know, the finely-tuned argument is one I've been hearing my whole life. You know, full, you know, I grew up in a very... Christian, Baptist, almost Calvinist environment where, you know, we went to church. My grandfather was a preacher. He had kind of like a home church. We'd go to it and there'd be different conversations about how, you know, the argument of of God versus no God and talking about atheism, things like that. And like as a child, I really specifically remember this this one moment um and I can't remember if it was a guest preacher or somebody that my grandfather had knew, knew, known. But he's talking about how we look at the concept of a computer. And this is rough. Uh, this is like from my four, like seven-year-old mind, maybe younger. And it's like, you know, in order to determine that there is some type of divine design, and this is his argument, is, you know, you look at a computer and you can't, everything has to be attached put together in order to operate in a certain environment in order to have this fine-tuned capability. Well, that's really the same argument they're trying to articulate is if, if you look at humans on Earth living a certain life, everything is finely tuned for our um, existence. And that's where it gets to the point of there could be a creator. And this is the argument is how can everything be so perfectly fine-tuned if we live in a universe that outside those realms, you know, if you go outside the atmosphere, you're going to die because your body cannot live in that environment. Earth is finely tuned. Then you go even further, and if you look at the concepts of gravity on planets and forms and how 
you know, gravitational pull of the sun creates something that creates a finely tuned, well-machined universe, that's finely tuned. So this is really the argument that a lot of people have if they want to really talk about the concept of, of, of a creator. And I think it's something that's really, really interesting. And I'm going to go ahead and play another clip from two gentlemen um, talking about what this really is so they can kind of provide a better insight of what the finely tuned theory is, if you haven't already got it. Dr. Stinger thought that the multiverse objection was valid against the fine-tuning argument. Right. The, the multi, let's understand the multiverse objection. It, it depends upon two assumptions. First, that there is this array or ensemble of other universes out there, undetectable by us, invisible, causally unconnected with us now. Moreover, that these are preferably infinite in number and that they are randomly ordered according to their fundamental constants and quantities. Now that's an enormous metaphysical assumption for which we have no evidence at all. George Ellis has been emphatic about this. He's a uh, quantum cosmologist at the uh, University of Cape Town in South Africa. And Ellis has been very emphatic that there's just no evidence at all for this sort of world ensemble or multiverse. That's the first assumption, that there is such a thing to begin with. But then secondly is this assumption that the only worlds that have observers in them are fine-tuned for the existence of interactive embodied life. This assumption is necessary in order to explain why we shouldn't be surprised at observing a finely tuned universe around us. The idea is that observers can only exist in worlds that are finely tuned. So we shouldn't be surprised when we look around and see the universe fine-tuned for our existence. If it weren't fine-tuned, we wouldn't be here. So that's a really interesting argument because it's like when people bring up the fine-tuned argument, they're trying to determine it in rebuttal with the multiple universes. And the thing about the multiple universes argument that's, that's being stated is that the multiple universe argument can't give a reason why these planets or places we would live would be finely tuned. And I know you've probably heard it like a million times by now, but to me that is so fascinating that in fact the proof of existence could potentially be a reason why we have a creator, why there is a creator, and why we live in an environment that is much more than just a random environment. When I say that, gives me chill bumps but it's something that even atheists um argue and you know me i'm the youngest of nine kids i like a good argument and when i look at this argument and i think about it it's something that really is fascinating because it's something so simple yet something so profound so whenever we look at this argument it's like really interesting to provide another perspective now i don't know if you're familiar with christopher eric hitches but he was considered, he lived, from, he lived from 1949 to December 11, and he passed away, but he was considered to be an English-American author, journalist, who was widely regarded as one of the most influential atheists of the 20th and 21st century, 
writing close to 18 books on, on faith, culture, policy, literature. He was born um, and educated and went to Oxford. Now, I have another clip of him actually talking about this whole concept of finely tuned because this gentleman wrote 18 books. He's one of the most well-known atheists, and he, in fact, had a interesting take on the finely argument. took place in my apartment in Washington. We talked about the encounters we'd had on the road debating the faithful and this and what had impressed us most. And I was interested to find that certainly Richard and I, this is what I remember best, both came up with the same thing, which is um, a point I first came across from a friend of mine, now dead, uh, Bishop Hugh Montefiore, in a book called Credible Christianity. And it's an argument that's been put in several different ways by several different people, but essentially it says, why are conditions so optimal for life? in this terrestrial orb. Fine-tuning. Fine-tuning. And I was surprised to find that Richard was impressed by that too. I mean, we know what the arguments against it are, and I can tell them to you if you like. And I consider them to be pretty conclusive arguments, but there is something that has to impress you. I mean, the, the likelihood that there could be nothing is so strong, and there's actually the certainty that there will one day be nothing, which someone must also have designed, and that there was before that nothing, which was... Who's the, is that supposed to be designed as well? I don't know. But not to be impressed by the fact that we are here rather than not is to be, well, um, too easily unimpressed, should I say. So there, there, there it is again. So when we talk about this theory, it's one I find to be really fascinating because a gentleman like this who's dedicated his life to atheism these books, and I'm not super familiar with them, I'm just done a very surface level dive on him obviously but i think when we get to the fundamental principles of it is finally tuning is an interesting argument and it's one that i think should be talked about more you know and i think it's something that people should really be mindful of this because it maybe potentially represents how you live your life what you carry out or what you do you know and at the end of the day you know you can believe whatever you want but there is some thought to be like, you know, a clock tells time based on how it's created. But time in itself is still an element that happens that we can't even explain, but we know it's real. And when you think about how time in itself is a concept that it that wears down, and it, obviously it's hard to put it into words. I'm sure quantumists might have a better way of doing it, but they still can't describe it, but we know it's real. You know, and that's really the concept that I'm trying to explain here without sounding too redundant is time is real, but we can't explain it, but we live with it every day. I mean, it blows my mind away, but I just want to get a little bit deep and metaphysical tonight on this because I think it's interesting and I want to thank you listening. And this has been a Master of None production and I want to appreciate all the support and we'll get back to you tomorrow. Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Alrighty, so we are actually back here in the Gene Wingate Memorial Studio. 
I have my brothers with me, Isaac, and what are you going to go by within this podcast? Well, my name is actually James. <laughs> or, or Jason, whichever you prefer to call me. Okay, you're going to go by Jason within yeah, this? Yeah, Jason's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we've been kind of talking about a relatively topic. Obviously, you guys know this podcast goes 365 days. And sometimes some of, some of the things we battle with is determining the topic we want to talk about for that day. And this is something, minus all the UFO stuff we've been talking about, I've been wanting to get into. And it's a situation that's been happening at the Obama's... Um, you know, I don't. I don't know that the Obamas. Um, Martha Vineyard Compound. Martha, thank you, Ike. Martha Vineyard Camp Compound. We are learning about a tragic story involving former President Obama's personal chef. The body of Tafari Campbell was found yesterday in a pond near the Obamas' Martha's Vineyard estate. After police were alerted Sunday about a man struggling in the water, the Obamas say Campbell's drowning death has left them brokenhearted. Scott McFarland has more. Possible drowning. Massachusetts State Police say divers found the 45-year-old yesterday morning after an hours-long search. Police had been called to the Obama residence Sunday night after someone had reported a possible drowning in a nearby pond. But as far as we know, they're currently in the water. The body of a man was found about 100 feet from the shore in roughly 8 feet of water. He was later identified as former White House sous chef Tafari Campbell. Authorities said the Obama family was not staying at that home during the accident. The only thing you have left to do is just put the labels on and pop the top. Campbell could be seen here in a White House video during the Obama administration making homemade beer for the president. In a statement, the Obamas said they first met Campbell during his time working at the White House. They say they then asked him to stay on with the family after the president left office. The Obamas added that they were brokenhearted over the loss of someone they described as, quote, a beloved part of our family. Police say Campbell was visiting Martha's Vineyard at the time of the accident, but it's not yet clear whether he was staying at the Obama's home. For CBS Mornings, I'm Scott McFarlane. So first and foremost, I just want to, like, thoughts and prayers go out to the Tafari Campbell family. Obviously, this is a very tragic situation. And, you know, whenever we look at this story, it's like we really want to put that, that there is somebody there that's gone through this. There's a family mourning. And, you know, when we look at this story, we kind of go back on the lens and kind of go into the whole situation because he's tied to the Obama family. This is really where we have conversations about what potentially happened. Now, normally this would be straightforward, but because of all the conflict surrounded around it, there's different thoughts and theories coming out of this this whole, I guess, situation. There's there's a, certainly a lot of mystery surrounding it as far as the details that are coming out because we first found out when we first found out the Obamas weren't weren't there they weren't at home and then we find out later on oh they were there and so there's a discrepancy in the story there then we look at this guy and people go through his social media feed and he was someone who was an avid swimmer. At one time, he could not swim, and he posted about that, and he sort of conquered his you know, fear of swimming and overcame it and ended up being a pretty vigorous swimmer. And so then the question comes into play, well, how does a guy who is paddleboarding in a pond drown who is a strong swimmer? Mm -hmm. And so those questions sort of have fueled a lot of interest in the story and then some doubts and even more questions about what exactly we're being told. Yeah. And I think probably what it is, is you want to know, you know, how did this gentleman die? Because, 
it it what doesn't make any sense is you know it's eight feet of water, potentially had somebody with them. Now in this video we showed said the Obamas weren't there, and now it's been determined that the Obamas were in fact there at that time. That well, clip we just played was right right after it happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it, who was who was supposedly with them? That's what we don't know. There was a second paddleboarder, if you will, and some have theorized that uh, actual Barack Obama was with him, and they initially said they weren't there to sort of distance themselves from it. And where's that theory from, that, that it was Barack? Well, because, uh, you know, somebody who likes to paddleboard, and maybe they were hanging out, and there, the, the, the theory comes from not knowing who the second paddleboarder was. They mm-hmm. didn't come out and say that. This person was with them, and then this guy drowns. And where? What was the other other paddleboarder doing at the time? And Secret Service was, you know, there at you know on the property. Whether or not they were there at the pond, we don't know. But Mm -hmm. this sort of seems like of all the places in the world to drown without someone coming to your aid, this seems like one of the least likely places. Yeah, you look at all the security there, you look at potentially what could have happened, and this is where it's creating conspiracy theories. And we actually have well, a tick, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, but I mean, like, okay, they, they showed a picture of what appeared to be the ocean in the actual article that we just saw from CBS. Yeah. What is this? Did they have any sort of picture of the pond? I mean, we could... We know my producer could probably pull it up, you know, right now in order to really give us a yeah, indication. Well, I'm just saying, like, they, like. they keep talking about a pond, but everything that they had. Well, that looked like a pond spillover into the ocean. Well, that's what he said. He said it was an eight foot deep, right? And then I, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, like, Man, well, how what, does a what president kind of a, what afford kind of a, a house like that? Um, Netflix special. You think that's, dang, that thing is nice. We're looking at the compound now, and it's his Martha Vineyard home there. Yeah, in, uh, it says the Great Pond Almighty. Is that is that what that is there over there to the left? Um, Third video group down. What we're looking at here, this this is the photo it, it's showing. I mean, it's not a small pond. I mean, that looks like a lake. It's a small lake is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. So, I mean, that, that would, you know, stimulate me to think there was some conspiracy if there was a true pond but this is, this is yeah i'm not you know we grew up on a farm and we saw ponds and really the pond more was a significantly a, more, smaller more than what we're looking at yeah but yeah but this would literally be this is from the daily but i mean this but if you look at it that thing looks huge like it's but not i think it's just the odd comment that it's a pond i i just find that really bizarre i mean of all the things there that doesn't look like a pond to me and it looks like a lake so if you're not looking at it, what's well, happening de- is my producer is bringing up a picture of the pond right now. What are we looking at, Ike? Well, host, uh, what we're looking at is a uh, a photo detailing the picture of the compound. It's also showing uh, the pond, which does look like a small lake. However, um, it, when you look at the Obama estate, uh, they're indicating, the Daily Mail is indicating that this happened just off the shore. It wasn't out you know, uh, well beyond the property. And so uh, that lends further to the questions as to how this could have happened. But there has to be video footage if this is, like you think that there's some type of camera system on there to determine what happened. Well, I mean, you you could, certainly if it happened close uh, close to the actual... Is uh, is that the 911? Let's let's see if they can... Okay, so it's called the Great Pond. 
the Edgar Town. What's all the plus about? It's your favorite QVC. It's called the Gray Pond. Okay. Edit that out. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Edgar Town Fire, Water Rescue Personnel, Echo 90, and Echo Unit. Respond to 7979 Turkey Land Cove for a 40 year old male possible drowning. Control to Edgar Town Fire, Water Rescue Personnel, Echo 90, and an Echo Unit. Respond to number 7979 Turkey Land Cove Road for a 40 year old male possible drowning. Unit acknowledge. Yeah, I mean, you have the dispatch there calling it in, possible 40, possible drowning. We don't necessarily have the 911 call, so we can't determine who actually called it in or who he was with at this time. But if, you know, if you're looking at the picture, we're looking at the picture right now, and it's, is that, that where it's showing it happened, or is that just where the sailboat is? I mean, th- this shows uh, the Obama home and then a long path uh, from the home to the shore, which... You know, if there is, you know, surveillance around the home, it wouldn't pick this up. It's, you know, probably 300 yards from the shoreline. So you wouldn't automatically assume that that would be, uh, that, that that would, you know, be picked up. But the Great Pond does spill out into the ocean. It does, yeah. yeah. So it's there a large is body some... of water. It doesn't, uh, it, it looks pretty it's like... It's not like a pond that was on our farm. When no, we were I mean, up. it's like, it's a little bit intimidating. Yeah, it looks like a lake. It's basically, you know, for all intents and purposes, you could call it a lake. And, you know, there were eyewitnesses on the shore that did, that, that did observe him falling uh, off the paddleboard, though. So it wasn't like he was, you know, so far that the eye couldn't see, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a photo that we're looking at here right now, and that is basically off the, uh, the balcony of the Obama home. And you can, you know, you can see the shore, but you wouldn't necessarily know that anything is happening out there and, and certainly surveillance wouldn't pick that up with any clarity but if you were all the way out there and you like had a muscle cramp for instance you could definitely see that like it would be like i mean that's 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 not like a, that's just as big as beaver lake in arkansas so let me go through a, a couple details here that are being reported that uh are, are a bit odd and uh, this is according to Colin Rugg, who's a, a journalist and owns um, some some news website. I think it's Trending Politics. He said the police call log for Tafari Campbell's drowning at Obama's home was left blank as the police refused to reveal who the second paddleboarder was. Now, uh, they went through and looked at the logs from every other police call there that night, and they all uh, listed details on exactly... Um, the, the reason and, and what was going on. With this one, they did not. Now, according to the Daily Mail, the call log for Campbell's death was left blank in Edgartown Police Department's logs, despite the reason for every other call that evening being given. The original 911 call came in at 7.46 p.m. from a woman on shore. When rescuers showed up, she was in a boat on the water going back and forth looking for Campbell. Uh, we met with the reporting party. She is on a boat with two individuals, and they're going back and forth as well. That was according to a rescuer. The Obamas were allegedly out of the house at the time of the drowning, but were on the island. We know now that that is not the case, that they they were on the property. Campbell's paddleboard was found after 7.46 p.m. that night. On, on that same evening, a neighbor suffered from a medical emergency at 11.40 p.m., right next to where the 911 call came in from. So there are a lot of questions as far as uh, everything that was going on around uh, that location that night. Mm. Seems so odd. It's like hard to really pinpoint what the real control narrative of the media is. And this is what happens in these situations. I mean, 
it's a lot of chaos. So how do you pinpoint exactly what's going on and so much after the fact? Well, and, and so, you know, obviously freak accidents happen. The guy could swim or he wasn't wearing a life vest. And if, if it was someone who was worried about being able to swim, you would think they would have a life vest on. But I, to me, the whole question comes in, who is the second paddleboarder? If you're paddleboarding, you know, you know, with someone else, mm-hmm. you know, and the other person goes down, typically the other person who's still left standing would go and try to rescue Correct. that person. So to me, therein lies, you know, the big question. What what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, but you definitely try to get off and hop on the paddleboard. But I guess you know there there is a lot of conspiracy theories coming um, through the internet. Actually, found one video where a lady gives a lot of different situations to this that could potentially be leaving, you know, a lot more information on the table, if you will. Very interesting. I guess it's time for us to hear that. I'm sorry. Hear what? <laughs> I was looking at something else. What were you looking at? So, Did you hear this video of this uh, conspiracy? Oh, oh, this conspiracy theory. Yeah, and I'm just reading some updated information here. And I don't know who this is. What's her TikTok name is? Yeah, the information I'm I'm reading now says that the 911 call came from seven miles away. What? Seven miles away, and the second paddleboarder uh, still is not identified. I can play this uh, play this clip for you here. Uh, just give me one moment. Maybe we should go to the the conspiracy person. Yeah, first. let's go to the conspiracy theorist TikTok right here. So here are more details to the Tafari Campbell case. If y'all haven't heard already, this is Tafari Campbell, a very young 45-year-old personal chef to the Obamas. First details emerged that the Obamas weren't there. Now people are saying they were there and they were saying he was alone paddleboarding and then they were saying he wasn't alone paddleboarding. Well, anyways, Tafari Campbell was actually with a second paddleboarder. For some reason, that second paddleboarder couldn't save him in eight feet of water, 100 feet from the edge of the lake. How, what? As you all know, Barack and Michelle are avid paddleboarders. Not to say that they were with them, but to say that, that's weird. As all of us tinfoil hat wearers did, we went and found some other details. One of the most interesting facts that this is parallels and is very similar to the death of Chef Walter Sheeb, who was the personal chef at the White House for the Bushes and the Clintons for six years. Let's go down the rabbit hole, shall we? Walter Sheeb, age 61, was reported missing by his girlfriend who said that I guess he went on a three-day fishing trip. When they went to look for him, he was found, listen to this, submerged in a mountain drainage flowing with surface runoff about 25 yards from the Yerba Canyon Trail. It was hidden from view by dense vegetation and steep rocky decline. So he was on a hike and he drowned. Alrighty, well, you kind of go through that and you kind of see what she she's alluding to. And, and the conspiracy theory is that potentially was the Obamas there. Like... And it, it kind of breaks down into three theories. And what were you going to talk about, Isaac? Well, I mean, the conspiracy theory is that, you know, this is uh, a move out of the political playbook to silence uh, a chef uh, that's, Daily Mail that, is reporting- uh, that's been used before. That's basically what and, and that started floating around a lot like this isn't the first time a White House chef 
has drowned. And so everyone's like, it's got to be. There's something they, you know, they were Clintonized or whatever. They were Clinton. They were Clinton the Clinton body count got to them. Well, you know, I, I think if you're looking at this too, I, I think a couple things I thought about. What did you think about? Well, there, first James? was it. It was paddleboarding. Looks like canoeing. Um, standing up. Well, they oh, were. Oh, that picture. They weren't standing up. Based upon this TikToker, she said that they're very, you know, large fans of paddleboarding and. They were sitting and, and moving, and I was thinking these people were standing up and they were doing the actual paddleboard, which is standing. Yeah, that's true. That did that. That, that is a little bit different. But I mean, to back to your earlier conspiracy about in this TikTok video, we saw the Obamas and they were doing what she was calling paddleboarding, and in that they were not wearing life preservers. Well, it. Uh, that's I think, a great point. I think it's. Um, I there seems to be enough documentation that. The Obamas enjoyed paddleboarding. They like to be on the water, and so I think therein, that's why they bought the house. Therein lies the question of, well, why aren't we hearing about who the second paddleboarder is, and why did we hear that the Obamas weren't there, and then we're hearing they're there? Maybe Obama, whether it was Barack or Michelle, was paddleboarding, paddle paddleboarding with Tafari Campbell. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's why that theory has kind of come about. But then you have the whole idea of, well, this is not the first time a White House chef has mysteriously died. Oh, and by the way, they also drowned. Yeah. And so there, you know, that fuels, you know, the internet. Well, I did a podcast on the Clinton body count, and I can honestly say, wow. Like, if they offer you a job, do not work for them. Because percentagely, <laughs> like, from a percentage standpoint, like, everyone who works for them, it's pretty high up there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think when you look at these situations and there there's some questions to be asked there's well yeah that's what we're yeah. doing here we're asking yeah, I, mean, we're asking. I mean i think that you know what happened who was that paddleboarder i think this is the great debate if we could find out who the second paddleboarder do you think that everybody would be satisfied i don't know but i think there was definitely a second paddleboarder on the grassy knoll i think for sure there <laughs> was, was there three paddleboarders or was I, there four i'm just trying to figure out uh you know that's if, the conspiracy but, theory so, so what do we i i go back to the question with the clintons though and just go do you know anyone in the world that knows more people that have died? Just knows more people. Whether or not they had anything to do with it, it's like, well, you know, whether the Clintons actually Clintonized them or not, uh, the odds of you just dying having known the Clintons and being close to them are pretty high, whether they had anything to do with it or not, which I, mean, I, I believe they did. if you ever worked in their administration, like that's the big conversation about the guy who signed in Epstein into the Clintons' logs. He was from Arkansas. Yeah. And he's the one who was hanging and got shot in the chest uh, yeah, with a mysterious suicide. Yeah, you're going down some other rabbit holes. But what I would say is is that I think it's kind of the Kevin Bacon theory, which is also the Clintons, which... Would be seven degrees of death are the exactly Clintons. Exactly right. I think that's what you kind of think about. When you but, know enough people. Why don't you... Uh, let's take a look at this clip real quick from uh, Fox News. Fox News alert. The Daily Mail is reporting that there's something strange going on with the police call logs on the night Obama's chef drowned. In the section where the cops are supposed to write the reason for the call, it was left blank. Could be a mistake, but every other call that night was properly filled out. Police haven't released the 911 call yet or said who made the call, but the logs also state that the call came from an address two miles away from the Obama home. But when this story first broke, we were told it came from the Obama's property. We're also finding out the 911 call was made by a woman. And we'll keep you updated on the story and give you answers as soon as we have them. All right. Uh-huh. So you can easily see how the information is uh, completely seven miles, two miles, 200 feet yeah. away. 
so now we know it's two miles away. So then the theory could be that he was quite a ways away from the Obama compound. And yeah, and that could be it too. It's like it's like one of these stories that you just don't know where it's going to go. But obviously, everyone's trying to like hold on to it and be like, it could be this, it could be that. You well, uh, so here's one question: Is okay if if the Obamas stated they were not at home, were they lying? If Obama was with him two miles away on yeah, a paddleboard, that's a good point. Were they in fact on the water? Because technically, they're not at home. Yeah, because oh, I wasn't at home. Well, like I wasn't at home. Uh, I was in well, fact on the paddleboard. I was uh, out on the pond, and uh, it's more like a lake. And I was paddleboarding, and uh, it's two miles away. Never home. Never saw it. So. I don't have any accents, guys. Are. Uh, <laughs> well, but, it's an impression, not an accent. Uh, well, there you go. I call it an accent. You call it an impression. But back to this. But if it is him, let's just say it is, then then is it is it a big deal? Well, here's here's where the theories open up. So there's three theories I have about this that, that we can all talk about openly. The first theory is it's just a random freak accident. Like, and it just it just happens to be the Obamas. It's a situation where the media is trying to pull out um, more than what it is. Maybe this podcast is trying to pull out more than what it is and trying to go that. The next theory is... Hold on. Can I just say something on that theory? Yeah. And, and a, along with that, you have people trying to control information that's coming out, and they're being very restrictive because of the nature of who's involved, and they're trying to be careful, mm-hmm. and you have them hesitating to say certain things yet because they aren't sure what they're supposed to say or not to say. And it, everything could have been on the up and up in this theory. Yeah, classic and, PR trying to control the narrative. Yeah, exactly. And they don't want to get too much weird information out there because it could affect the Obamas, right? Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know. But but the next theory is, is there negligence? And that's the one where it's like, were the Obamas a part of this situation just happened to happen randomly and they didn't necessarily do everything that they were supposed to do and is the media and is there people trying to cover up the tracks that the obamas had something to do with it they had something to do with the calls but they don't want to be necessarily affiliated with it in the media well i think when you look at you know associated with it in the media is one thing but negligence is a whole nother thing the media like, I mean, and, and negligence, well i right yeah. but be just because that you're paddleboarding unfortunately with a guy that you know I'm still trying to figure out how this happened, but, you know, died in eight foot of water. Now, I'm also not sure how tall he is, but that would probably be a good information to know. And then it sounds like the guy was uh, was a pretty good swimmer. So I, I guess that would be a lot of questions. I mean, what a terrible situation that, you know, that someone died doing this, you know, paddleboarding. But, you know, when it comes back to the Obamas, I think when you look at that, and I think you just, if I'm them and this is a situation and I'm there, I would just come out and say everything that they're saying because to your all's point, it creates a scenario that is very interesting because there's a lot of facts missing. And when there's facts missing, people are going to ask questions. And when there's no answers, they make up their own information. Yeah, which which lends to the questions when there's conflicting answers and they're withholding information. And so I, I kind of come back to the idea of, okay, if it's a freak accident... It's horrible. It's a terrible thing, but the truth, you know, the truth wins every time. You just tell the truth. Yeah, I mean, exactly. there's no real explanation for it. It's terrible, but uh, when you get into these conflicting, you know, uh, this conflicting data, it certainly raises some eyebrows. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then then and that kind of opens up to was it the narrative? Was there some negligence of on the Obamas' part? The fact that we kind of getting that is the fact that there's nothing on the call log. So what happened with the call log? Yeah, that's was a good it, question. So that's those are the situations that we know Secret Service would be a part of it. Obviously, in this town, we can probably think it's probably small town police agency. It's not like you know you don't know what they're really doing internally. Who's talking to who? You know. Well, I think the uh, and then what was the third? The third is in fact that there might be some. This this is the most outlandish one, where did the Obama set up a situation where they potentially, you know, had him killed, or was there anything like that? Which seems the most outlandish one, because when looking at it, it doesn't seem like that would happen. It's not like you know we can't definitively say oh they had him killed because of X, but if you're looking at it through the starburst methodology of where you looked at multiple potential scenarios in order to better understand it. You have to do this in order to give a thought experiment. And I've referenced, referenced this before because I used to work with a CIA um, analyst and he worked for the CIA for multiple years and he had a, um, a publication firm and I worked with him and had a publication with him. And this is one of the techniques that you do whenever you're looking at multiple streams of what potentially could have happened in order to determine which is true and which is not true. So I think what you're saying is is in this last theory that the Obamas would have to then plan a certain situation, do it just 100 yards off of shore from their estate. That doesn't seem very logical. I mean, like, if you're going to do something like this, you just do it right and right close to your place where you live? Well, I don't know. I mean, you have to make it, I mean, if we're going down the road of this theory, you have to make it look like an accident, okay? And then could you, you know reasonably paint the picture that, okay, well, he had a hard time swimming because he had posted on social media that he couldn't swim, you know, three, four years ago, but then it, they showed him swimming, conquering his fears. He was wearing flippers, by the way, um, which do aid in swimming. But, you know, could they say, well, he's already, you know, put out there that he has a hard time swimming. He wasn't wearing a life jacket. Okay, uh, come on, let's go over here. Let's paddleboard. Uh, no, you don't need a life jacket. I'll got you, Brent. Let's go. I'm smoking a cigarette. Hide it from a shell. Let's go. <laughs> You know, I mean, we're saying that it's horrible that this guy passed away. Okay, uh, you know, but unfortunately, it's right in the middle of a giant spotlight, and uh, you know, there's been questions on the forthcomingness of of managing narratives with you know Barack Obama, and and we've also seen you know conflicting information, yeah. and so it it's unfortunately the situation has sort of brought on extra scrutiny. That it otherwise wouldn't have if it was like we were out there paddleboarding, you know, he, you know, had an event or something like that, and and you know he fell off the paddleboard and I couldn't find him, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that well, that does happen. Well, it does sound like it was a little bit later in the evening too, right? Seven forty-six I mean, p.m. is yeah. when the call came in. Let's say it was two miles. So going down the theory though of okay, it was all planned. You know, they're away from the house. It's at dusk. You know, the the problem is they have a witness. And then, you know, the you follow that conspiracy further and go, well, but some, you know, that witness, that person had a medical event, you know, that night, too. We don't know for sure if that's the case. We know a call came in. This could complete be completely unrelated, though, and have nothing to do with it. Personally, I, I think it's ridiculous to think that you're going to go out there and you're going to snuff the dude out on a paddleboard, you know, within eyesight eye of uh, yeah. shore, unless it was a spur of the moment, passionate, 
response to something which seems less than likely. I think the more likely scenario is there's some level of negligence, some level of negligence. Well, Michelle, I'm going to take them out on a paddleboard, and then we're just going to let the ocean dictate what happens. So I, I think I think some level of negligence is the most likely scenario for the for the holding back of information, and it's it's it 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 uh con- being a conflicting um, statement. Yeah, the negligence narrative, in my opinion. Is probably if there is a situation of any wrongdoing, then that's the one that that could be more likely. Like if, if you look at if, if of any situation that the Obamas didn't do what they need to do in that situation, I'd probably err on the side of negligence to freak accident is where I'd put it in those in those two columns. The big question is the second paddle border. Who is the second paddle border, and you know what do they say about what happened? Yeah, I think the other question is, is that why and where was the call made for the 911 call? Like, why was it two miles away from the Obama estate? Was it, and did it happen where, and who was calling? I mean, two miles away is a long, long way. It is. Especially, you know, if you're talking about the water, you think he paddleboarded two miles away from where the Obamas lived? I mean, that seems... That seems pretty extreme, and plus, he's a chef... And why would he be pow boring around dinner time? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I don't. I yeah. We're just thinking. I, I, like he didn't stay there. Not, <laughs> they said it was, you know, that he was visiting, maybe, right? Maybe Zach, he was done cooking, and he was like, "I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to go out there and paddleboard." Well, and also, if you look at the way that these um, coves, you know, jet, uh, you know, into the land, let's say that it's two miles by road to go around the cove, but maybe as the crow flies or as your paddleboard, you know, flows, yeah, that's true. It's a lot it's a lot closer. Yeah. So there's there's just a lot of questions. I've never paddleboard, so I don't know how difficult it is. It's not easy. It's not easy, but again, it's a it's a difference of definition, right? Is it that you're standing up on a paddleboard and, and doing that or are no. you sitting like well we don't know we too, saw earlier. So how often he paddleboarded as well. Like we don't know if that's was it the first time he's going out paddleboarding? You know, obviously he's close with the Obamas if you well, work with them. In hold the on a second. Let's look up what actually paddleboarding is. Maybe we have a different definition of what no. this is. Paddleboarding is when you stand on it. stand on the board, right, and you paddle it. That's right. That's paddleboarding. Which takes some, you know, really good balance. Some core yeah, strength. Very, very gr- um, yeah. I think I saw a yoga class once where they were doing yoga on a paddleboard. Well, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of balance, and you have to have really good strength and balance to what you're doing. paddleboarding right there. Okay, so yeah, so this is what I thought it was, and so you know, is this so the basically something that the Obamas do a lot? And just so you know, what we're looking at is two couples wearing really big life jackets, standing on a really big board with a paddle, looking like their paddleboard. There's Obama paddleboarding right there. He's not wearing a life jacket though. Yeah, and again, this that's is in Hawaii. Out. Yeah, so I mean, this kind of goes along with the theory that they weren't wearing life jackets. So maybe the negligence was like, you know what, you don't need to wear a life jacket. Because out here, the water is quite calm, you know. It's certainly possible. I think, you know, based on eyewitness testimony that we've heard so far, at least, uh, you know, learned, is that he was paddleboarding and he uh, basically fell off and was pulled under. But you have the little... Or looked like he was pulled under. You had the strap on the leg of the little thing. Yes, yes. Uh, Was he wearing the strap? Was he not? I mean, you know... There's a lot of questions if the guy was out there and he was not the strongest swimmer and he wasn't wearing a life jacket at all. That uh, So we're looking at images of Obama paddleboarding. 
And he seems like he's thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, and he's very good at it. He's got good balance. I mean, yeah. And so if if somebody was paddleboarding, you were paddleboarding with somebody, and they fell off, and you could see that they're in distress, you as long as you weren't super far away from them, you could paddle over there pretty quickly. Should we and do? Then, should and, we go paddleboarding and, and execute this in an experiment? Well, well, but literally, if he was attached to it, and you the paddleboard was there, mm-hmm. you paddleboard over to it, and you pull the line. And you're able to get to them in yep. theory if everything was done like it would normally be done when paddleboarding. Yeah, and I've paddleboarded a few times, and I've fallen off, and I can find it because it's attached to my foot. So even though you didn't know for sure what paddleboarding was, well, no, I knew that this is what I thought it was. But some TikToker, you thought you might have been doing it wrong. No, I just said some TikToker. I'm just making sure that we're we're defining it the same way because they were they showing showed the canoeing picture. pretty yeah. much. So I'm just making sure that. We're looking at it the exact same way. But what I'll say, too, though, is that when you, you know, fall off of a paddleboard, it's attached. So you can swim right back to it. You get back on it and you continue. So mm-hmm. I think that's the the odd thing here. Yeah, the whole eight feet of water thing, too, to me, doesn't really, I mean, unless you know how deep it is, if it's not clear, I mean, uh, you know, you can drown in a foot of water, yeah. you know, the basically. Eight f- yeah, you can. The eight-foot yeah. of arguments, like, you can still drown in eight feet of water. I mean, like, th- that that theory would hold up if it's like, okay, you knew it was eight feet. All you had to do is sink to the bottom and, and push, push up. yourself up. But, you know, there's no way to know, you know, what, what that depth was. My theory, in addition, is the possibility of what if, and we keep hearing about it almost every day in the news, people having cardiac events for whatever reason, and they just fall back, you know, basically in, you know, are in cardiac arrest. What What's to say that that didn't happen to this guy? Well, I mean, I think it's a great theory. It's probably, you know, probably one of the better ones, not knowing exactly what happened. But, you know, the interesting part, too, is that the video we're watching right now is Obama in Hawaii in the ocean paddleboarding. This was a completely stagnant body of water, so there's no waves. Unless boats go by or something like that. Well, there's a little that, bit of wake, yeah. Yeah, there could be, but that's about it. I mean, but the best thing about paddleboarding is is the fact that when you have, you know, no waves or anything else, it's it's pretty easy to do. There's really yeah. nobody's gonna knock you off unless you just fall off. And I yeah, I think to your point, I think if you had a cardiac arrest, you would definitely be falling into the water. Yeah, and, if you had and a you cardiac recover. arrest, you'd definitely be tricky. But you know, obviously he's forty five, so it would have to be a certain thing that would do that in order to create that scenario. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot going on here. We don't have answers to, so I can't wait till we actually get the answers about why they didn't fill out the sheet. So, uh, do you think there's negligence? What do you think? What do you think? Oh, you want to hear what I think? Do you think there's negligence? What's your thought process on it? Well, first of all, I think that the first thing is that it's a terrible situation that somebody lost their life. So that's the first thing that I think, and I think that when you don't give all the information. It takes away from that, from the person that passed away and died in the situation. And I think that's unfortunate. I think it's uh, disrespectful and distasteful that they shouldn't release all information around it. And I think that's, you know, what I think about it. I think that everybody should release all the information and there shouldn't be any questions surrounding it. This is a a tragic situation. I mean, 45-year-old guy that uh, has lost his life uh, in eight foot of water. It's just terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. That's paddleboarding. True. I mean, he's, you know, so, you know, I think that's the part that I find um, 
you know, the most disturbing. What's my theory, though, about what happened? Uh-huh. You know, look, I'll wait till the facts come out before I establish any sort of an idea of what I think actually happened. It could be a, a lot of what we're talking about here, or it could be um, the fact that maybe this guy didn't want to make it back to land. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, you think he went out there and unalived himself? It's possible. I mean, it, it, all the things that we've just discussed would give you the idea that this seems like really hard to believe, but... You know, if that there's I mean, a lot of things going on in our world today. That's another. It says you'd have to look up the amount of times people have committed suicide by drowning themselves. That it's almost an you know involuntary reaction of your body to save itself while drowning in water. You know that's what I mean? That's true. Like I don't know even know how you could do that. Um, well, I mean, we're thinking the fact that he didn't have a drink or, you know, it's 7, uh, when, 40, yeah, 6 at night. Yeah, a couple and, drinks. Was he just feeling loose? Know, did he, he get a little bit excited? Yeah, there's a lot of things there that, that could have happened in this situation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree with your theory, though. There's been a lot of situations currently that we've seen with cardiac arrest, and, and they're out there doing a physical activity. So there is the high probability that that could have been the case. I mean, so we're looking up online and there are, you know, dozens and dozens of pictures of Barack Obama paddleboarding. Like to me, just on the surface, this is not just some, you know, occasional hobby activity he does. It almost looks like a true hobby. He is invested time and like like, like he looks like he's. And I don't know when these pictures are from, but it just shows you like this is one of his favorite hobbies and he's invested enough time and expertise to be really good at it. And so if he was out there with him, I think um, it's the same picture because he's wearing the same shorts unless he's like a minimalist. Well, look, I mean, we have we well, we have all kind of different uh, a lot of angles. We have them with a life jacket on. We have them without a life jacket on. Where's the life jacket one? Uh, that was up earlier. Well, to the right, right here. This was him. Oh yeah, you know, out on a boat, and uh, you know, here he is again. He's got. So he definitely spent a lot of time on the water. That's like what? Because he's probably from Hawaii or whatever. That might even be him. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, what is his net worth? That's really what I want to know. I don't know, but it's it's really bizarre. Um. You know, here here he is. Um, this is one of his family members. That's, his, that's is uh, that his daughter, his Sasha. Sasha. Yeah. yeah, he's paddleboarding with his daughters. Oh wow, you're about to buy a phone on Amazon. Congrats. I don't know what happened here? Okay, but you know, to it's not just some thing that they don't have much experience with. Mm-hmm. It looks like something They're clearly like a water family that they like to do. They do it often. There's multiple pictures. Of him and all his family paddleboarding. So, I don't know. It, it doesn't. Is there any pictures of the chef paddleboarding? Do we have any of those? There's none. But there is a couple of them swimming on his TikTok or his Twitter account. And that dude could swim. Like when you see the video of him swimming, like it looked like he was a really good swimmer. So I don't know. It's, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, he posted like his uh, Apple Watch statistics and stuff after he was doing. But is different. that that's the video right there of him four days ago? Down one more. Down one more. Down one row to the right, right or further. I guess you left one more. One more. One more. Next. 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 Right there. Next one. That's him swimming. Okay, so this was four days ago. So they posted this video of what the heck. 
Well, I saw a video of him, and I, I guess that's not it, but it showed the dude, maybe it's this one over here. Um, and the guy was like, the guy was swimming better than like most people. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, he looked like the dude could just, I don't know, dude, you looks like you're not being able to pull it up, but oh, there it is right there. So when you see this video, he has fins on, but it still shows his ability to swim. Yeah, but how long ago, you know, was this? Well, the point is, is like he, he could he could swim. He understood, you know, he could definitely know what to do in a situation. Yeah, I mean, I I believe that was from. He got uh, the backstroke down. I yeah, that was that, that was a couple years ago, I believe, when he was, you know, he had posted that he couldn't swim and then had you know conquered his his fears or whatever. So. You know, I, I to me, it's like, okay, well, if, okay, a guy who knows how to swim, but he didn't swim, and, you know, by the time, here, here's the other thing, the person was driving around in a boat looking for him, where was the second paddle boarder? I mean, if he could swim and he fell off his board just out of nowhere, it would, I think it would lend itself to the possibility he had some kind of event, personally, cardiac event or something like that, but then the second paddle boarder, what what if it's possible that he went into cardiac arrest, just fell off the paddleboard, sank, and Obama just paddled out of there and said, "I can't be seen here." That that would be the neg- that would be the negligence argument, you know. But the real conclusion of this podcast is determining who is the second paddleboarder. I think that's really what we've boiled down to. We went through the theories. We've broken it down. We've given the information. And at the end of the day, that's really all you can do. Yeah, but there's also one other thing maybe you haven't thought about. What's that, Jason? That I mean, James. Well, you know, it's that they also talked about the boat. There was two other people on the boat that were going back and forth looking for him. Do who, you? Who was that? Who was the person on the boat? I don't yeah, know. Who, do are, have, who do, are the three people have... on the boat? I mean, like, so there's three people on the boat. There was a second paddleboarder. I mean... Sounds like there's a lot of people there at the Obama estate that may know a lot more information. We probably should see if they wouldn't be willing to come on this podcast and and talk. I'm sure the you know, the legitimacy of this podcast alone the, would get them in the door. And who was the woman that called nine one one? I That's, think we've got these are some really good questions. So the woman who called nine one one, the people in the boat. She was on the boat with two other individuals. So yeah. on the so boat. So is that Barack and Michelle? That's what I'm saying. Possibly. I mean, we don't. It's not going to be Secret Service. We know that. We know it wasn't Biden. <laughs> hey, man, let's go paddleboard, man. I don't. I don't think that he. I was still there. got it, man. But anyway, that that puts three people at the scene of the situation. So I mean, there's a lot of people here now. Yeah. And if it was Michelle and it was Barack, they technically weren't at the home at the time of the incident. So technically, that could be the technicality. Yeah. So it really, it really boils down to that. So there's a lot more to the story. There's a lot more questions and answers at this point, that's for sure. I guess we'll wait to the next podcast to find out what happened. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts? I just have to say I feel bad for the guy's family. And uh, I hope that the truth comes out. But I have a suspicion that we'll never really know. Mm. Yeah, I just, again, feel terrible for the family. But... I also feel like it's super disrespectful to create conspiracy around the death and the information should be released so it can be focused on grieving, not questioning. That's true, but um, 
Unfortunately, the internet, all it does is really can create conspiracy. Well, I'm not even talking about the, the internet. I'm talking about, you know, the people involved in the situation, the Obamas. They, oh, should, yeah. they should release the information, and it shouldn't be this controlled. So, therefore, people can't create it. Yeah. Well, who, who is the second? James. Uh, who is the second paddleboard? Uh, I've got a lot of things on my mind. Don't have time. i got to give a speech for $4 million. All righty. We'll get back to you tomorrow.